Be glad to be here today with us worshiping the Lord. Just turn to your neighbor and say hello this morning. Greet each other around you. We're really glad to have you here with us today.
Someone's chiming in. Good morning. I just want to welcome you. Glad you're here. My name is Luke, and I'm one of the 
pastors here at Crossroads. One of the things that we wanted to ask you this morning is, does anybody like free cookies? Your neighbors are really excited because this, this new series that we're starting today, we are giving everybody these boxes. You're going to look at them in the back of the auditorium, grab them when you're leaving. Uh, we have some pretty great students that are handing them out. Did a great job first hour. But these are really simple. This is a really simple part of this, this new series called Christmas in the Berg is we're going to ask everybody to, to consider just opening these up, putting cookies, whether you buy them, whether you bake them. Hand them to your neighbors. Just, just let your neighbors know that you love them and that you're excited that they're your neighbors. I know they'll probably be thrown off a little bit because some of you might be meeting them for the first time. Hey, it's all reality. It's all, let's be honest. And then you could give them this and say, hey, if you don't have a place to call home on Christmas Eve, we, uh, I go to this church in Finleyville and we'd love if you join us. 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And just hand them this. And they're going to be excited probably about the cookies, but this is an added bonus. So they're going to be in the back for you when you, when you leave, all free. Just uh, bake them, buy them, hand them to your neighbors. And if anything, their neighbors are just going to be like, wow, they made me cookies. That's pretty cool. Something's different. God works through cookies, believe me. But we're starting a brand new series today, and we're really excited about that. Um, but another thing we're really excited about that's coming up really quick uh, on 8, 9, and 10 of December is the Dessert Theater. And I've asked Rhonda to share a little bit about that. Well, we're excited about the Dessert Theater. It's called A Perfect Christmas This Year. What we're really excited about is the opportunity for you to bring those neighbors and those friends and those coworkers. The tickets are only $6 a piece. So take a step of faith, go buy a couple, and let's fill these seats with people that need Jesus this season. We all know people that are hurting, people that are troubled, people that need Jesus. So take a step of faith and let's fill this place next weekend. We're excited about that. They've been working hard on just putting a program together that is fun, that is musical, but really tells the story of why Jesus Christ loves them so much. The other thing that we've got going on is we've been talking about our gingerbread house decorating contest. This is the week to bring those in. You want to make a gingerbread house? You want to bring it in this week? We're going to set it up as part of the decoration over in the gym for our Candyland. I was out shopping this week and they are on sale. They're like half price or three quarters of the price off. So go out and buy a gingerbread house. Have fun making one with your family or just, you know, having a great time. We'll have a contest over there, but you want to bring them in this week so we can get them set up for Friday night. But again, just pray about, you know, who does God want you to bring? Just lay somebody on your heart because it is a great opportunity for them to begin their relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks. That's great. Thanks, Rhonda. So another thing with this Christmas season approaching is we're decorating. And we definitely have lots of opportunities to decorate. So some of you who are crafty or some of you who can just move things, uh, would you email the office or talk to Jeanette? We just really could use your help in decorating the gym and decorating this building for Christmas and it's, it's already looking great. They're doing a great job. So we're really excited about that. So let, just email the office and let us know if you're able to help during the week or today or whenever. That'd be really great. Um, we've started the birthday gift to Jesus, and we're about at, at, right at about 3,800. And we have a really exciting video we want to show you from one of our missionaries in Ecuador. Hello, family of Library Baptist Church. We are in the Cuicocha Lake. This is maybe the next trip. When you come to Ecuador, I bring you to here, because around here we have many communities, the Indian Quechua communities, and we want to develop many activities. Hi, my family of Library Baptist Church. We are in the mountains to Cotacachi. You can see around many mountains. There is located many communities, Indian Quechua communities, where Next year, with the grace of God, you want to come in here. 
My brothers from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we are in the Cotacachi town. This is a very typical town of the mountain. Very quiet people, very nice place to stay. You come in next year, I bring you here. Hello, my friends, we are in the groceries, vegetables, uh, market, free market, and this is a very cultural place. There are many colors and many different people we want to come in here to bring drugs and share it with the people. And next year, I bring you here. Now we are in the Otavalo Flea Market. This is an incredible place to see everything, different crafts from the Indian community. And it's an interesting place to see different people around the world walking here. I want to bring you next year to here to have this nice international and experience from Ecuador in Otavalo. I want to bring you next year. Hi friends from Pittsburgh, here is the bus station in Kotakachi. Next year, if you come in, I bring here to share the gospel to the people. We want to put a sound system here and we want to sing and share testimonies and preach the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. I bring you here. We love Daniel Gonzalez. Many of our church's family has been to Ecuador with Daniel Gonzalez. Obviously, he's inviting us to come back again this summer, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you more information as we finalize some thoughts on that. But obviously, you see all the places he wants to take you, right? And uh, so slightly different if you've been there before, slightly different places. But uh, we're thanking God for the opportunity that we have through the birthday gift to Jesus to partner with missionaries all around the world. Um, I'm thanking God uh, for, for our list here. Daniel Gonzalez, uh, we support them heavily. Our church is very connected relationally to them. They are great people. They are uh, with a youth emphasis with Word of Life in, in Ecuador. And uh, they are really doing a good job. People are coming to Christ. And you get down there, you're just humbled by these folks that are, that are bringing people to Jesus. And it's like, that's what they do. That's what they eat, drink, and sleep, is bringing people to Jesus. And, and that, of course, I know that's what we're trying to do here as well, trying to do that in your job, trying to do it through, our, through everything that we do as we connect and grow as believers. Uh, but uh, as we support them, we are partnering with them. You know, I, I don't speak Spanish. I can't go over and, and, uh, and embed a country, but we got our family of God who is in that country, in Ecuador, and they are making things happen. God is using them. We have people in the Philippines. God is using them. We have people in Haiti. We have people all over the world, and you look down all over the list here. You'll see uh, also on our list is um, uh, there, there's, a, there's just so many of them. You look here, there's Greg and Nancy Fritz with the 1040 window, and then we also have Dave and Glenda Puckett. And they are, uh, Glenda is here this morning. Glenda is on our missionary list here. They are new with Pioneer Bible Translators, and that's Amanda York's mom. And so would you stand? We just want to welcome you this morning and say thank you. You know, we're, we're excited. And uh, we've, we've included, included Dave and Glenda on, on our list this morning, uh, on, on our list this year as we, uh, we're getting to know their ministry with Pioneer Bible Translators, and we're thanking God for your service out there. And, 
They made a major change of life. He called me uh, last year and said, hey, uh, I quit my job. I'm going to be a missionary. I said, you did what? And uh, I, I was like, I'm sure Amanda was like, you did what, Dad? What are you doing? All right? And so they, they are serving the Lord. And uh, we're just thanking God for all that he's doing and using these great people. You know, they are, they are incredible people out there, but they're just ordinary people like you and I. And we get to partner with them. And so some of these we're partnering locally, we're partnering with, with local people, we're partnering with people internationally. But through your generosity, we can take our little church on the hill and impact a world. And I want to say thank you. So as you pray about this, pray about your part for Christmas this year. I, I encourage people to give more to Jesus than to anybody else. I was sharing this with, with somebody. Somebody came up to me a, a few weeks ago here and said, you know, we're new in the church, so this birthday gift to Jesus is kind of new for me, and I never thought about giving a birthday gift to Jesus. And they said that on top of that, we never thought about giving more to him. It's his birthday. And so I want to encourage you. I, I know many that have been here a long time. We've taken that for granted because uh, since the time I was five years old or seven years old in this church, they've been teaching me to make Jesus number one. And so I want to encourage you. Give gifts to your family. Enjoy the season. Celebrate. Enjoy it. But put Jesus at his number one spot. And as we do, when we come together as a church, we're excited to see what God's going to do. If you're giving to the birthday gift to Jesus offering this morning, please designate it as such so it can be properly accounted. This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And uh, we are just thanking God. Aren't you excited about what God's doing here? Yeah. Amen. God's a great God. Let's give him a hand, you know. I'm excited. We've got our setup here. They've been working. You know, I want to thank all the people that are involved with this uh, dessert theater this week. Uh, this is going to be a long week. They're going to be up here putting a lot of hours in, and, uh, and they're dedicated to bringing people to Jesus. So I want to encourage you, get a ticket, be there, and, uh, and just encourage your family of God together and, you know, and, and have a dessert afterwards and, and just spend time and just put this all as part of your process of bringing people to a relationship with Jesus, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much. Thank you that you are God. Thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you care for us. And God, as, uh, as our church is mobilizing in the month of December, Lord, uh, we want to be mobilized all year, but Lord, we sense extra opportunities to tell people about you right now. Lord, we sense that the, that the soil is open, the ground, uh, that hearts are a little bit more open to hearing the message of our Savior. So, Lord, I pray you'll be with the church, Lord. Empower us as we go out. Empower us this weekend, Lord, as we bring our friends and our family uh, to, to hear a, a presentation here where, where the gospel of Jesus, and, and they'll have an opportunity to trust Christ as their personal Savior. God, thank you. This is an awesome place to be. Thank you for allowing us to have these opportunities to bring a community to Christ. Lord, as we give to you now, Lord, we're thankful for, uh, the, for, for you. We're thankful for how you provided. And, Lord, we just give back to you. We return thanks and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for blessing us. And we're privileged to now bless your name this morning, Lord. And we thank you for these partners around the world as we... As we uh, become rich in giving, we, we give and we're strong in our giving, Lord. We thank you for these opportunities to partner with Daniel Gonzalez, to partner with, uh, uh, with these missionaries all around the world. And we just ask that your blessing will be upon this place. In your name we pray. Amen.
just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. And outside the snow is falling, friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. a new series, our Christmas series, Christmas in the Berg. And when you, uh, when you think about Christmas in the Berg, you know what? I'm reminded that as Pittsburghers, we are unique. <clears throat> I mean, there's no other place like Pittsburgh in the world. It's the greatest city in the world to live in. How many of you grew up around Pittsburgh? Like, this has been your home. All right, God bless you, the chosen ones, right? It, it, it's, just, it's just a real privilege to grow up in the Pittsburgh area. And, you know, for those of us that, that, that have grown up here, you remember all the... Uh, all the uniqueness. I remember one time I was at college and I was just talking, just being normal. And they said, are you from Pittsburgh? You know, I'm like, wow, I didn't, you know, that's how we say when somebody's from Alabama, you know, like, you from the South, you know, they're like, are you from Pittsburgh? And so, so there's some things about being a Pittsburgher that, that are unique to being Pittsburgh. And one of them is our, tri- our, our, our Christmas traditions. We have some things that are unique to Pittsburgh and things that, uh, that, that, that are historical here in, the, in, the, in Pittsburgh as far as our Christmas celebrations. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things was light-up night. You know, in 1959 is when light-up night was started in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> and the whole concept was, yeah, it was a big Christmas. It was the kickoff of the shopping season and all that. But one of the things I remember as a kid was that that was the night that they left every light on in every office building. So it wasn't just like the tree was lighting up, you know, that's kind of like, woo, right? It was all, every office building, they left every light on. So when you came down and you got a picture of the city of Pittsburgh, it was absolutely gorgeous to see the U.S. Steel Building with every light on, to see all the skyline with all the lights on. It was cool. Now, you know, energy costs more today or something. I don't know what's going on. Maybe with LED light bulbs, we'll do it again. But, you know, they, they don't leave every light on anymore. Now light-up night is just uh, the night that, you know, they light the trees and, and you go see things. But one of the other things that became historical with, with light-up night was uh, you'd go down and you'd have a family night. And you'd get to do all the festivities. One of the big things was the windows at Kaufman's. So you had the Kaufman's windows. And Kaufman's started doing the windows way before light-up night ever was. But um, uh, the first picture I'm going to put up here is from 1930. This is the Kaufman's window in 1930. And you see, see that guy over there in the corner? He looks like a security guard or something. I don't know. But he, he's brought these children down. And, uh, and there they are. They're standing at the Kaufman's window. And it says, to grandfather's house for Christmas. And there's like this little Santa up there. He's like this big, you know. And I'm thinking, man, grandmother's house for Thanksgiving grandfather's house for Christmas. That's kind of cool. You got that all together, right? And, and, uh, and so that was in 1930s. And then the next picture here moves up into the 40s. This was known as the, um, uh, the circus, circus theme. This is in the, the Kaufman's window down Pittsburgh. And what would happen, you not only had Kaufman's that put up the window, but there was Joseph Horn's, Kaufman's, 
and, uh, and gimbals. Those three would compete. And you would go down, and I remember as a kid, my family going down, we would, we would like compete and say, you know, which, which window was better? We would make a decision as a family which one we thought was better. And I tell you, I think my mom lived in gimbals. That was like her favorite store. I remember the budget department, you know, we'd go in and go downstairs. They always had the budget department hidden downstairs there, okay? So I went in, we'd go down, be little kids, we'd be covered in our winter coats and just like, ah, when are we getting out of here, mom, you know? And, uh, and those were good memories, but you had all three of these windows and they'd be competing and so you'd look at them. Uh, here's another one, the, the next one here is, uh, this was Alice in Wonderland. Um, you know, if you go to the Heinz History Center, they have an ex- uh, a display up about this. I mean, that's how historical these windows were. Uh, the, the next one here is, um, this is Toyland, okay? Uh, and I think I remember seeing Toyland recreated different ways throughout the years. And then the last picture I have is, uh, this is actually at the Heinz History Center. And this is a replica of what the windows looked like. And uh, at the last time, it was either 2014 or 2015, Macy's took over Kaufman's, and that was the last window. And so what, what happened was you would go down there, and Kaufman's had like a whole, whole block. Now, you, now, now this is history. This is history. You, there's no more of this. But I just remember these animated characters in there, and it was so cool. I mean, you've got to remember, this is before the iPhone, folks, okay? This was really cool. This was before Atari, all right? There was like these, these mannequins, and they'd do all this stuff. And it was so cool as a kid to go see that. Uh, and, and then the, the Kaufman's was a whole block long, and you would start over here in the first window, and you would come and you would look, and you'd be like, wow, and you, you'd read the story, but it didn't stop in the first window. You had window one, window two, and you'd go through several windows, and by the time you got to the last window, you would see that was the grand end of the story, and typically it was Santa or something like that in that window, right? Woo, and there's Santa, right? And so you come through, and as a Pittsburgher... I would go down and, you know, I remember going down and just walking there. And through the years, they shortened them. It used to go the whole block. And then I think when Macy's took over, they made it half a block of windows. And then they got it down. Everything's gone down there. But here's what I remember. I would bring friends down, and they would always want to go over there to the last window. And I'm like, no. You're not allowed to go to the last window. And my friends, and some of you have been there with me when I did that. I'm like, no. We have to know the whole story. And I would come over here, and I would start here with window number one with them, and I'd just read everything to them. And my kids are like, please, Dad, all right? I'm like, no, this is cool. It's going to be cool. Trust me, you're going to like it. And so I would just go there, and it would start there, and there would be a piece of a story that would unfold. And so you'd start in window number one, and then you go to window number two, and you could just watch traffic as it went down the block. Window number three... Number four, by the time you got to the last window, the story made sense. And this morning, I'd like to take us on a journey of Christmas that is going to start in window number one. Because I think for many people, when we talk about the Christmas story, for many people, they only think about the last window. They think about Mary and Joseph, and they think how cool it was, and they think that, wow, and they think this is the story of Christmas. But the story of Christmas is so much bigger than this. As big as this is, this is gigantic. The story of Christmas is even bigger. The story of Christmas is remarkable. 
It's an incredible story. And so let's go to the, in your Bible to, to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first window of Christmas. As we look at the first window of the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1 tonight. And as you look at this, it says this. It says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is, there's, there's a section here from verse 1 to about verse 17 that probably when you read the Christmas story, you skip over. Okay? You just look at there and you say, the pastor said it's all right if I skip over genealogies, right? And we do. We encourage you when you're reading the Bible, if you come to those, it's okay if you skip over them because many times you look at them and you say, what was that? And myself included, I've, how many times have I said, well, the real meat of the passage starts in verse 18. But let me tell you, there's not one verse in this Bible that's not important, folks. Everything in here is extremely important. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be there. So, when we look at this this morning, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In window number one, I want to share with you, the reason that this is here was to prove that he actually lived on this earth. That he actually was here. Because it says this is the record of his genealogy. He was the son of David, the son of Abraham. And what he does, he gives you an overview. He says, and every Jew paid attention. Every Jewish mind, because Matthew's writing to a Jewish crowd, every Jewish mind sat up and said, whoa, what's he talking about? This Jesus was of the house of David? King David and Abraham? Whoa. Now check out. He continues on. He says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. All of a sudden we get a woman thrown in here. Uh, you know, you see all these men's names and you hear a woman. He, he's identifying these kids by, by their mother. I, I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Another woman we see, another identification, so you're not getting confused. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Another one, so you didn't get confused. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. King David was the father of Solomon. And he continues on. And he goes through, and if you read this, sometimes you, know, sometimes you just do a plain read, and you're like, what is he talking about? Why is this so important? And in the first window this morning, why is this so important to the record of Jesus? The, why is this so important to getting to the, the Mary and Joseph story? Because it's the very first window that we see. And here's why. Because Christmas didn't start over here with a couple wondering where they would have a baby. The Christmas story actually started over here in window number one, with a couple that was wondering how they will ever get pregnant. You see, he says he was connected to Abraham. Look at that. The, the verse one, he says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. So I'm going to come over. I'm just going to kind of keep a little track of, of, of what we're talking about here. So we, I'm just going to put Abe for short, Abraham, okay? So we got Abraham. 
He said that Abraham was the father of Isaac. Now check that out because Abraham had a promise that was given by God. In the year, it was roughly 2090 B.C. 2090 years before Jesus comes to earth. Roughly in that time frame, Abraham gets a word from God. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Abram, he later changed his name to Abraham. The Lord uh, Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, there's a whole lot here. He's telling him, he says, I want you to get up and I want you to leave. This was a man who was at one point a pagan. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a follower of God. This was not his, his MO. God gets a hold of him and he says, I want you to get up and go. And you see what he did here when he told him to leave his country, to leave his land, to leave his people, to, to, to leave everything that he knew, uh, to leave his father's household. He's telling him, he's saying, look, this is going to be dangerous. Because your whole identity, in that day, their whole identity was wrapped up in these things, in their peoples, in their, their accumulation of their wealth. And this was their, from my father's household. So this was kind of like their, their tribe, if you will. And God says, I want you to get up, and I want you to go. And then the promise starts to roll, verse 2. It says, I will make you into a great nation. Abram is 75 years old. And God taps him on the shoulder and says, I want you to get up and go. And let me tell you, I'm going to make you into a great nation. So I just want you to realize, I understand that people lived longer back then, but at 75, it's still 75. And 75 years old, I I could just imagine a man whose knees may be hurting him a little bit. I can imagine a man with some really gray hair or none. And I can imagine this woman with him who's just like, do we have to go? And he gets up and he moves and he follows God. And God's promise is that I'm going to make you a great nation. I want you to think what was going on in Abram's mind. Abram's mind was saying, "Um, what do you mean a great nation? I'm leaving my nation. You told me to leave my father's household. I'm leaving everything of security. I'm leaving all my identity. How can this be? He says, I will bless you. God says, I'm going to bless you. Um, he He says, I will make your name great. You know what he said he was going to do? He says, I'm going to make your name famous. Abraham's thinking, I'm not going to be famous. Nobody's going to know me. How will my name be great? I'm, I'm leaving everything that I've had. And he goes out there. He says, I'm, I'm going to be forgotten. God says, and you will be a blessing. Wow. This was not something that they understood. People didn't go around blessing other tribes. Look, he, he goes further. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. He made a promise. He says, listen, Abram. All the peoples of the world will be blessed through you. So this morning in window number one, there was this promise to a guy named Abraham. And it was 2,000 years before Jesus arrives in Bethlehem. And, and, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Do you know what was happening here? God was triggering Christmas. This was the beginning. And why did Christmas have to happen? Because about 2,000 years before this, in the Garden of Eden... God gives Adam and Eve this wonderful place to live. And in this wonderful place to live, he says, you can have everything, but don't eat over here. 
Just don't eat this, uh, this tree. Don't eat. And Adam and Eve, they eat of that tree. And God follows through. He's, he's holy. He's just. He says, I will follow through on my word. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And what do they do? They eat of the tree. And God says, okay, out of the garden you go. Death enters the picture. Spiritual death, physical death, all, all, the, all the shortcomings of life that we have now go back to that moment whenever Adam and Eve walked out and said, uh, God, we know better. And God said at that very moment, God said, and I, he said this, in the midst of the whole dealing with them and kicking them out of the garden, he says, he says that I am going to, the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Remember, Satan was in the form of a serpent. He says that, 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 I, that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and he will strike his heel. Right there, God was making a, a, an advance notice to the Messiah. He was telegraphing that, hey, yes, I'm following through And because of sin, sin must be punished. But at that moment, he said, I will take care of it. And you know what happened on the cross? When Jesus came to the cross, he crushed the head of Satan. But Satan did bite the hill. For Jesus died on that cross. But when Christ was resurrected, everything changed. Everything changed. His power. He defeated the enemy. And so in window number one this morning, we see a promise given to a couple that they would bless. And you know what? That the whole world would be blessed through Abraham. And that's hard to think about that. Here, imagine being Abram and, and getting that, hey, that the whole world would be blessed through me. What is he talking about? Uh, I'm 75 years old. How, how's this going to happen? God had promised that they would have a child. So Abraham went as the Lord told him and, he, and, and lot with him. And Abraham was 75 years old. He set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarah with him. He took his nephew Lot and all the possessions that they had and, they, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and there they arrived. Now check this out. This is, this is what's kind of wild. He says in the genealogy that he has a son, that he was the father of Isaac. So, so here's Abraham, and, he, and he's promised a son. But let me tell you, Christmas is all about this candle. And it's a candle that, that looks like the flame's going to go out. Because Abraham, and Jesus is in the genealogy of, of Abraham, from the very beginning... God said, I will bless you. You're going to have a baby with Sarah. And you know what happens? At 75 years old, folks, you just don't have babies. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> Could you imagine you go visit a nursing home? Oh, guess what? I had a baby today, you know? Uh, that, you know you're just kind of thankful for that. I, I want you to think, because that's what Sarah was thinking, Abram's wife. <laughs> She's saying, I'm approaching 80 years old. Are you crazy? I'm not going to have a baby. That can't happen. So time passes and they didn't have a baby. But God made a promise. And the flame was starting to flicker here. And the candle's starting to flicker and all of a sudden it looks like the flame's out and maybe just a few embers are left on that wick. So what happens? Sarah says, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Abraham, I've got this young Young helper here. She's my slave. Beautiful young woman. Her name's Hagar. You're going to have a baby with her. And Abraham says, yes, ma'am. And they have a baby together. You know, there's a moment of distrust. 
God said, get up and move, go to the desert. Yeah, they, they, they responded to God. Then they get in the desert, and they're there, and, and, and this baby thing isn't happening. And they're like, well, we've got to make it happen. Well, they made it happen. Hagar gets pregnant. Now, you want to talk about some drama? This is better than anything you ever see on TV, folks. Here's Sarah, and here's this young slave girl, and she's pregnant with her husband's baby. And all of a sudden, there's tension. And she tells Hagar, get out of here. And she leaves. She runs. And then God meets with Hagar in in the wilderness and says, no, no, you get back there. And I'm going to do something great in your nation too. I'm going to do something great. And there'll be great things are going to happen through her son, whose name was Ishmael. But they come back. And God says, I'm going to fulfill the promise. Just trust me. So the flame is flickering. And what's God do? He gives them a son. Abraham and Sarah have a son named Isaac. And Isaac, it says here, it says, Isaac, the father of Jacob. So Isaac has a, has a son. His name is Jacob. And so here, here we have this, this lineage leading up to Christ. And it all comes back with Abraham. It starts there. Because it's important for the Jewish people to see that this wasn't some story that was made up. This was not some story that a department store was putting in their windows. This was the real deal. And you can prove it because we got it all the way back to Father Abraham. He says, and Jacob was the father of Judah. So we come down here. Jacob's the father of Judah. Jacob had 12 sons. Jacob's most famous son was Joseph. We spent a whole series last year talking about Joseph, six or eight weeks. We talked about Joseph. We talked about his life, how he was thrown in a pit, how he was faithful. He, he kept being faithful. God kept blessing him. He'd have bad things happen. He was faithful. God would bless. Then a bad thing would happen. He'd stay faithful. God would bless. And you would think that the lineage of Jesus would go through Joseph right here. Jacob is the father of Joseph, right? No, no, no. It says that Jacob is the father of Judah. And the lineage of Christ comes through this guy, Jacob, down to Judah. Now check this out. He says, and Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez. So, so he comes down and, and he puts Perez here. So we, a, as we continue on here, I want to show you something here that's kind of wild. Because in a casual reading, you say, oh, he just identified this lady named Tamar. Well, Tamar, the whole story of Tamar is kind of wild. Here's what happened. This guy, Judah, Jacob's son, Judah. Remember, this was one of the guys that threw baby brother in the pit. He threw Joseph in the pit. He was part of that gang, right? So as he's part of that gang, um, God still is going to use him. And so Judah has a family. He has a wife. He has three sons. Son number one gets married. Son number one disobeys God. And if you read Genesis 38, you can see the whole story there. Son number one disobeys God, and God deals with him swiftly. He dies. He has a widow on his hand named Tamar. And according to the, to the law and to the culture of the Jewish people, it was customary for that widow, for the next son in line, gets to take on this widow and, and continue the family line. Well, dad says, son number two, I want you to take Tamar as your wife. And I want you to have a baby with Tamar so the family tree can continue on. He goes in. He says, I'm not doing this. 
And it's a little bit more graphic in the scripture how it happens, folks, all right? So you can go read it. But he basically says, I'm not cooperating with the plan. He's out of the picture. So now we have Tamar the widow, and son number three is just too young. He's not old enough to have kids. He's not old enough to, to take on this widow. So Judah, okay, Judah tells Tamar, you go back to your father, dress in widow's clothes, and whenever my youngest son is of age, I will bring him to you, and he will be your husband. Yes, sir. She goes, and she, she goes back to, the, back to her dad in the, in the, uh, near Timnah, this town called Timnah. So she goes back to her dad, and, uh, and so now Judah's living life, and all of a sudden Judah's wife dies. So Judah's now this lonely older man. And he takes his sheep for shearing. It says that it talks in there about going to where they sheared the sheep. So he makes this journey over near Timnah. And this woman appears on the road. And this woman is, and is veiled. And, and she has a veil on her. And he doesn't know who it is. It's Tamar. He comes over and he thinks that, it, that she's a woman of the night. So he comes and he makes, a, he makes an advance at her. And he makes a deal with her. And she says, well, what will you pay me to be with me? And, and he says, well, I'll give you this, this, and this. And, and one of them was his, his scepter and his, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, his ring, a, a signet ring and his staff and a cord. And so he says, I will give you these, and that's a promise for something more to come. And so they have an evening together. Face is covered. He doesn't know who it is. Let me tell you when he finds out. Genesis thirty-eight twenty-four. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Three months later, he finds out that she has been immoral. Moreover, she's pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. They dealt with things a little tougher back in those days, guys. Let her be burned. Uh, number 25, verse 25, and she was being brought out. She sent word to her father-in-law, by the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, who they belong to, the signet and the cord and the staff. Verse 26, then Judah identified them and said, she is more righteous than I since I did not give her to my son, Shelah, to his third son. So he did not know her anymore. In other words, he had no more physical relations with her. One of her sons was Perez in the lineage of Jesus. Do you ever look at your family tree and say, what's going on? Honestly. Do you ever, do you ever just question, <laughs> how does this stuff happen? Look at the lineage of Jesus. From Abraham, who would be the father of a great nation, that he said, I will use you and I will bless all people. Everybody in the world will be blessed because of Abraham. You know, Abraham's name is known all over the world in every place. God followed his promise. There was a weak moment. The promise was flickering. It was like the candle starting to go out. We'll have, a, we'll have a child to Hagar. God says, no, no, no. I made a promise to you and Sarah. And he follows through on his promise. Isaac's born. There's all kind of fun stuff about Isaac that you can learn about how, how, how that 
how that Abraham almost had to sacrifice Isaac. Then he comes down to Jacob, Isaac's father, Jacob. And Jacob has these 12 sons and all the drama with Joseph and the 12 sons. And now here's Judah. And Judah ends up with his daughter-in-law, widow, and he has a kid to her. And it's like, can, can it get any worse? God said, I will make a great nation. And these people were making bad decisions all along the way. And God said, I will make a great nation. I will bless you. Do you know what happened? The nation of Israel ended up being formed because all the descendants of Abraham, they came out and man, come, you follow this line throughout the scripture and this nation was formed. This nation became a nation of slavery. It's kind of interesting you read there in Genesis how that they made it over into, into Egypt and they become the slaves of Egypt. We talk a lot about how Moses took them out of Egypt, out of slavery. They wander around the desert for 40 years. They finally get to the land that God's called them to. Then they're established, and then they keep going in and out of existence. And we see this fight for survival for the nation of Israel. And it's in this moment of the fight for survival. Look what Isaiah says, Isaiah 49.6. He keeps giving them this reminder. The kingdom, remember, there was the divided kingdom and, and all this fighting, and it was like, are we even going to survive? And God sends Isaiah, and he says this, as they're on the verge of implosion, God says, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, uh, for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Je- Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God says, it's bleak, the candle's about ready to go out. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me that I can't pull everybody back together and that you will be, what's he say, you'll be the light? There was no light, it was dark. These people were making decisions that were dishonoring God left and right. And God says, I will not let my promise not happen. I will make it happen. I will save the world. And Abraham, your name will be great. Uh, you, you will bless everybody. All nations will be blessed by you. Look at Micah 1, 11. The prophet tells, I'm sorry, Malachi. <laughs> Forgive me, it's Malachi, Malachi. I'm having a rough day, guys, you know. I used to call him Malachi, the Italian prophet. That's Malachi, forgive me, Malachi. Malachi, 1.11, my name will be great among the nations. It's about ready to go out. The candle's ready to go out. And God says, my name will be great among the nations. For when the sun rises, for where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord God Almighty. 63 BC, Rome is conquered by Pompey. I'm sorry, Rome sends Pompey to conquer Israel. And they come down and conquer Jerusalem. And, uh, and now Israel's under Roman occupation. And you say, what is going on? It looks like it's about ready to go down. And then all of a sudden, Galatians 4.4 4 says, at just the right time. But when the time was right, God sent his son to be born of a woman. Now check this out. Why was that the right time? You know what the Romans did? The Romans came and they built a road system. 
Have you ever heard that word, that saying, all roads lead to Rome? It's because they built this incredible road system. And before the Romans, travel was a lot harder than it was. We can probably thank the Romans for a lot of our road system. The concept started with them. And, and so they had this road system. And what happened was after Jesus was born the, the, and after Jesus rose from the dead, the, the word was able to spread and move faster than ever before because the time was just right. And yet, in 2090, when Abraham was out in the desert, God says, I'm making a promise. You're going to be a great nation. And all peoples will be blessed through you. Do you know why all peoples were blessed through him? Because through his lineage, over there in the last window of the story, in Bethlehem, 2,090 years later, in Bethlehem, the Messiah was born. And all that time it looked like the candle was going to go out, God says, I am still there. Luke 1, God sent the angel Gabriel when the time was just right. When it was just the right time, look what happened. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God, for you will conceive. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. His name will be great. Did you catch it? Did you see it? It's all connected, guys. Malachi. What he told Abraham. And now the angel Gabriel says, and his name will be great. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David going to be the king he will reign over jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end and folks as we start this journey for the month of december i want to share with you that the story of christmas while we have an, a virgin birth in the last chapter guess what that was impossible we couldn't even fathom it but when you put the whole story together and you go back 2,090 years and you go back another 2,000 years all the way to the Garden of Eden and you see the history of God's promises and that God kept his promise, may I share with you that it's more than impossible. It's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And in, in your life, you're dealing with some things and there's some promises of God and you, it looks like the candle's going to go out. It looks like things are bad. You're saying, man, will, this, will there ever be any hope for us? And may I share with you today that yes, it looks bleak, it looks dim, but there's still an amber lit on that candle. And on that flame is the promise of God and God keeps his promises. And he said that my name will be great. Do you want to know what God's doing with us today? Christmas, we're 2,000 years the other side of Christmas. And as we look at 2,000 years this side of Christmas, God says, I want to bless people through you. I want to bless your neighborhood through you. I want to bless the people you work with. I want to bless, I want to transform the berg through you. And that's what God wants to do. And you're saying, but, but you don't understand, God, my family tree. God says, oh, I understand family tree problems. 
You say, but God, you don't understand financial. God says, I understand all that. When I, was, when I lived on the earth, I had no place to sleep. The Son of Man had not a place to lay his head, he said. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to sleep. And so here we are. We're 2,000 years after Christmas, and guess what? God wants to use you. So I want to encourage you today as you leave, do something practical. Pick up one of those boxes. Go home and make some cookies, candies, whatever it is that God given you special to do, and put them in the box. Go to the neighbor. Say, Merry Christmas. I'd like to invite you up to our church. 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. 9, 30, 11 next Sunday. We'll be here. We're talking about Christmas in the burg. And see, what you do is you just start to crack the door. It's through you that God is going to bless the people in your world. It is through you that God is going to bless the people in your neighborhood and in your office and in your family. It is through you. It's not going to be through Ken Barner because Ken Barner has his own little world. And you have your little world, and it's big world to you. But that's what God is going to do. He's going to come, and he's going to bless. And guess what? As Malachi said, my name will be great. I am so stuck on that. I want you to think about that tomorrow when you're in the middle of your day and things are going bad. The name of the Lord, he said it will be great. It doesn't look like it's great, but he said it will be great. Man, I've been dealing with stuff all this past month. It's been a hard month in our house, folks. You know what I'm remembering? God said, my name will be great. And guess what? No matter how bad a decision I make or how, uh, how, how my decisions affect other people or other people's decisions affect me, God said his name is great. And you can bank on that because God keeps his promises. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to Jesus. You see, this whole windows, as we're going to look at four windows of Christmas, it didn't happen by accident. It was the plan of God from the very moment that sin entered the world. And then whenever he called Abraham, he triggered Christmas. That was the trigger. And, and we see all that God did. And you know what's going to happen here in a, a few days? The whole world's attention is going to be on Bethlehem. And thousands will travel as tourists. It'll be on CNN. It'll be on Fox. It'll be on NBC, MSNBC. You can go home on Christmas Eve evening and you'll be able to see Bethlehem. And it will be a reminder that God said that you will be a light to the Gentiles. God keeps his promise. This morning I'd like to invite you to trust Christ because he keeps his promises. Had he not kept his promise, we wouldn't be here today, folks. You've come in here this morning from wherever, whatever's going on, whatever God's doing in your life, you need a Savior. Jesus says, I want you to come unto me, all who are weak, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. So today I invite you to Jesus. And if that's you, I'd like to invite you just to pray something like this. Just trust him right now. Because he died on the cross. He paid for your sin. That's what Christmas was all about. It didn't end at the major. That was the beginning of part two. Trust him this morning. Pray something like this. Dear God, I need a savior. And I understand that you died on the cross. 
You paid for my sin. I invite you into my life right now this morning, God. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for coming back to life again. Thank you because you are God. Lord, be with your people as they respond to you this morning. Lord, touch hearts about neighbors that we can bless. Through Christmas, Lord, we have the dessert theater. We have Christmas Eve. We have every Sunday that we are here, 52 Sundays a year. Lord, we get to bless people all year round. And God, I pray you'll be with your church, Lord, as they go out and they are mobilized. And they're putting things in people's hands. And they're putting kind words. And they're being the hands and feet of you, Lord. I pray that you'll bless them as they seek to bless the world around you. For we can only bless the world around us when you do it through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song.